Ray is just hung up on a conference call. He's actually shaking a bit. A touch of this is hangover. Some is because he's angry after the call, but mostly it's because he screwed up. Got too expressive about that anger. The word unprofessional was used. Was that bluster on Joe's part, calling Ray unprofessional in front of six people, including his boss? Maybe. Ray had sharply sighed the word absurd at one point, as if it were an obscenity, and he can't see now how that helped him. But most of the squabbling which had built up over months to the time of this call was just a matter of tone, of which there had been plenty of the combative type going around, hardly just from Ray. Still, he was in a gray zone now between whether several people just gotten off a call with him thinking, what a jerk, or if he was about to get written up for conduct. Fifteen months before, Ray stood at the grave of one Albert Wexler, wondering what the hell to do next. Albert was a mentor to him, not in IT grunt work, but in something like the opposite. Albert Wexler spent 18 years in the desert out between California and Arizona building a library, as he called it. Surely there were books, endless stacks and tracts of them cradled within a maze of 4x4s, post holes sunk into the desert floor and curtained together with plywood. But there were also reading rooms full of paintings, rugs, couches. Outside, gutted trailer homes and decorative towers were built of salvage. There were junk sculptures and junk assortments, junk piles, quite a lot of junk, really, some of it in the midst of being sorted after a fashion, and some just half buried or half burned across a few square miles scatter on the premises of a decommissioned Air Force base. It was the 50s when that base went away and they took their buildings with them. What was left was a network of thick-poured concrete foundations linked by a decent road to the nearest one-horse town off the margin of the Salton Sea. People had come to this place over time in campers and tents for a few days or years of off-grid living. Most built something for themselves, too, out of trash and bulk-bought supplies. Hippies came, of course, and folks for whom Burning Man could no longer be confined to one week a year. But libertarian enclaves sprang up, inhabited by ex-military men and compounds fenced off with razor wire and forbidding sloppy signs beneath American flags. Confederate, POWMIA, Gadsden, don't tread on me, all flapping together in the prevailingly calm winds of the Sonoran. Next door to that razor wire camp is somebody's merry prankster bus across the street, a BYOB tavern built out of a reworked sailboat. Mild winter sea populations peaking in the couple thousands. Only a few tough, odd birds stick through pounding summer months of 120-degree daily highs. And they're left quite alone but for the odd sheriff drive-by. But these were public lands put to public use. No rent and no property tax, and by and large, no trouble. Of course, there was no water either, but economics grew like ivy through these needs. It doesn't take a large percentage of residents catching a check now and then in a P.O. box up the road for Social Security or SSI, or for their trust fund or stock dividends or meth proceeds to fund the penniless in some entrepreneurship. Porting in water, porting out sewage, hauling, construction, electrical work, a thing almost like a community stayed afloat. And so that library grew. Visitors trickled in. In some dusty past, a loon out alone in his desert hogan, a private Rancho Costa Nada, had built a thing that really was a library now. A mecca with no message, but that you should bring your own message. And people did. In fact, his self-authored books were the ones Albert most liked to take into his collection. Texts of which few copies existed, or ideally only one. Ray showed up weekend warrior style with his wild child girlfriend one day, out on some Bonnie and Clyde honeymoon after quitting his IT grunt work job for her. My god, ma'am, Ray used to like to say to Marianne, quoting Browdigan, you're so pretty I'd walk ten miles barefooted on a freezing morning to stand in your shit. She wanted to lead him across miles, all right, but to a place where it was 120 degrees in the summertime. Shade, beer, and something to read drew them into that library in their tent time and again. 
Soon enough, Ray was pushing the idea of a catalog, a database. He estimated Albert had between 10 and 12,000 volumes, many utterly unique. You put a catalog like that online, that means visitors. Visitors mean money. They buy beers from the cooler, they make a donation. They drop off a terrible science fiction novel they wrote 22 years ago, printed out in dot matrix, bound with rubber cement, and left in their closet till now. This was a world-class collection of books, thousands from various lunatics and Kilgore Trouts the world over. Ray thought the broader world would like knowing about that collection in the way a database could make possible. Well, Albert couldn't tell Ray to fuck off enough. He was not going to be contaminating his library with any form of computer. Still, plenty of drifting kids had come and gone through Albert's stacks over the years, and this pair stayed. Shelving books, selling beers and snacks, rebuilding walls, making it work. Ray fit in that library, offered a friendly tone and a nice counterpoint to Albert's. For years, if a visitor had asked how to find the deep and banked concrete pit that had grown into an unofficial skate park, Albert would gesture dismissively west. At two streets over, listen for the sound of snot-nosed kids. But Ray savored the very shape of the honest answer. Okay, he said, you turn left when you see the gigantic paper mache rubber chicken. You'll pass three burned-out vans. The third one's blue, and it stands beneath a radio antenna covered with old bras. That's where you take a right. You don't take a right till 100 feet after that. Albert would break back in, scowling over his shoulder from a bunch of 1970s playboys he was arranging. Albert's right, Ray said, undeterred. Uh, you take a right turn past the van, and the skate park is about 300 feet further on after a huge stack of old dolls and the Cessna that's been buried standing tail down in the ground. Things were good. Ray was with a girl he loved, free of the world, and was a fully accepted apprentice in an expanding enterprise. And then things weren't good. After Albert woke up dead one morning, Ray and the rest of the town went through such loops fighting the coroner's office for the right to bury him at the library that it was practically a week before Ray suddenly realized he'd inherited the place. He was the librarian now. It was a role he thought he could grow into. Yet for whatever reason she had, Mary Ann suddenly found that role and Ray stultifying. It wasn't many more weeks before something seemed deeply amiss about the amount of time she was spending in one of those paramilitary camps. One day a friend broke it to Ray that she and some SOB had jumped in a jeep together and moved on to a camp in Utah. Ray could have taken this chance to build his little database. Instead, he packed the majority of all the books into a beach shipping container a friend offered. The books that wouldn't fit, trashy, replaceable novels, a woman across town asked to take so she could build some kind of collage, and Ray went hitching to LA. He took an IT job, dated a little, but couldn't get Marianne out of his mind. A year down the road from all that now, sitting in a post-meeting haze of accounting department accusations, it seemed clearer than ever that the loss that had really cored the heart out of him had never quite so much been her as it was that library. A phone call was coming in. His boss, obviously wanting to follow up on this conference call. This could be good news. Maybe the boss wanted to support Ray. Or maybe it was to announce disciplinary action was coming. The question was, did it matter? Ray let that call go into voicemail. He opened up Craigslist and put in a search for used RVs. Opened up an email to his boss and, in an access of sarcasm, typed the words of Colonel Colby. Sell the house. Sell the car. Sell the kids. Find someone else. Forget it. I'm never coming back. Forget it. And then he wondered whether he was about to click send. <laughs>